Welcome back to The Human Exception. This week, I'll be getting into the myth, the legend, the Final Fantasy VII house. Content warning as always, expect some foul language, but the story also talks about abuse of all kinds, sexual, physical, mental, and emotional. I also want to preface this by saying that the people involved in the story are real, and so is their trauma. This is a deeply disturbing tale, and while we may joke and laugh at times, we in no way wish to diminish the suffering that the people involved have faced. This story is to help raise awareness of an individual that has been preying on people online for decades, and to share the stories of those that she has hurt, as well as to explain how this can happen to anyone. So strap in and get ready for another human exception. go before i take a billion pictures of the cat <laughs> okay all righty so <clears throat> i'm gonna open this up with a quote it wasn't the hunger that finally drove icarus to leave the final fantasy 7 house it wasn't the way the others took advantage of him a 19 year old trans kid with a love of art and a drinking problem it wasn't even the abuse or the ears listening in whenever he tried to communicate with the outside world no what really did it in was the theft of his shoes so today we are talking about the Final Fantasy VII house, oh which God. is an internet legend. If you've not heard of it, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> I forgot you were doing this, and I don't know how I forgot that, because the tiny little bit that I looked up, just like two lines in the Wikipedia article, and I went, nope. <laughs> no. Uh, it'll be great. Um mm. So yeah, it was probably about 2014 when I first came across the story on, on a Reddit comment, and I've been fascinated with it ever since. And I've checked in every once in a while, just since then, just to kind of keep an eye, eye on what's going on. And the bulk of the content I'm going to talk about today comes from the webmaster's account on demonsushi.com. So it's demon-sushi.com, and who we're going to refer to as Icarus. So back in 2002, Icarus finds himself on the run, barefoot and paranoid, but free, finally free. It wouldn't be until 2005 that Icarus would write about his story on his website, and with it was this dire warning. This all happened a while ago. Checking old journal dates, it was 2002. I was fucking stupid then, as you will see. I should have seen obvious signs and didn't. People have noted that I was stupid. They are smart and they are right. The reason that this is up here is so other people will read it and not be as stupid as I was. Again, for clarification, what I did was not smart. People have been saying that it, how it takes strength to go through this shit. No, it takes sheer unbridled idiocy. Just because it was stupid, though, doesn't mean that it couldn't happen again to someone who was just as dumb. The story isn't for people who can identify the stupidity immediately. It's for those of us who have things named like, I wish I was anime and spend time role-playing online. There's a group of very dangerous individuals out there, and I really would like to detail what they did to me and mine. I want to warn people away from them. I want you to read my mistakes and watch out. So before we get into this, a bit of a content warning. Throughout the story, we'll be talking about abuse of all kinds, emotional, mental, verbal, physical, and sexual. So, the whole gambit. 
So before we get into this too deep here, you kind of have to understand a bit about what Final Fantasy VII is. Um, Holly, I don't know if you've ever played Final Fantasy VII. No. All right, perfect. Fat no. (laughs) No idea. (laughs) Okay. So the game Final Fantasy VII, this is a story that revolves very tightly around the plot of this game. So I'm going to try and sum this up as concisely as I can, because it's a ridiculous game. Final Fantasy VII is a series of popular role-playing games from produced by Square Enix, a Japanese game developer. Each game tells a standalone story in a standalone universe, mostly. So Final Fantasy VII is, n- is not the seventh game in a chronological story. It's just the seventh game in this series. So kind of like, you know, if you think about the outer limits of stuff, each episode is its own thing. Um, Final Fantasy VII was released in 1997 on the PS1. The game was such a huge hit and is still considered one of the best and most influential games at the time. And to this day is Square Enix's top-selling game of all time with over 13 million sales. The characters and the setting are so popular that they've become they've been nearly a dozen games after the fact that have been featured them, as well as a full feature-length film and a game that is currently being remade with the, part, the first part having just been released this year. So there's the cover of the original game. Oh my god, I remember this. <laughs> And here's like a bunch of the games that have since inspired, been inspired by it and contain characters from it. So I'm sure you can understand that a cult falling could spawn out of something like this. It was just so fucking popular. And the plot, if I could sum it up in one sentence, would be something like a group of eco-terrorists destroy a massive corporation and fight aliens to prevent their planet from dying or being destroyed by a giant meteor. That's as concise as I can make it. Oh my god. The story is told through an unreliable narrator, a mercenary named Cloud Strife. He joins these equal terrorists on what starts off as a simple anti-corporate mission that quickly spirals into epic proportions. The corporation is known as Shinra, and is very much like Umbrella Corporation, if you're familiar with Resident Evil. They want all the power and all the money and have absolutely no qualms about fucking around with genetics and breeding super soldiers to get it. 30 years prior to the game starting, Shinra found the remains of an alien entity called Genova, and they've been using its DNA for their experiments ever since. The primary antagonist is a Bashonen wet dream known as Sephiroth, a mysterious trench coat wearing soldier of sorts that some time ago found out that he was a result of a genetic experiment that turns him into the enemy of the planet. And here's a picture. So he kind of uh, pulls a whole an eye for an Armageddon narrative and it's up to the players to stop him, all while Cloud Strife deter- struggles to determine what's true, who he is, or if he even ever existed. And yeah, that, that, that's the simplest I can make this. This game is a game that on average takes 46 hours to complete, and that's bypassing the majority of the hidden content, so you can understand how complex it is. So I'm not going to front load you with a bunch of plot, and instead I'm just going to tell you the relevant facts as we go. <laughs> Got a bit of a sloppy grasp on that? I mean... See, what's funny is that references to Final Fantasy are so ubiquitous in the gaming world, and even beyond that, and you said Sephiroth, and I went, oh, I know that name, and then I looked at the picture, (laughs) and I went, huh, okay, is that why everyone was freaking out, because he's gonna be in Super Smash Brothers? That's where my brain went, so. (laughs) Totally fair. I don't know. (laughs) And just for fun. Here's a comparison from the original game versus the remake. (laughs) (laughs) The graphics differences. That's amazing. (laughs) It's good stuff. All right. So way back in the day, Icarus ran a very popular FF7 fan page dedicated to the characters Cloud and Zack, with Zack being a minor character. Pictures. So Cloud's Cloud's on the right, Zack's on the left. Um, It was really the only comprehensive site that covered both characters and their connections. So all the clack shippers were super into it. Icarus was quite involved 
with the online fan community, and it was common for him to receive fan mail, which he'd post up on the website and receive link share requests, which is basically someone asks you to put their website on your website and vice versa. Mm. Did you say minor character? I'm sorry. Zach is a minor character. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so Cloud is the main character. Um, <laughs> spoiler, I guess. Um, there's a cat on my hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach was originally a soldier... And the entire time that Cloud is going throughout the game, he's got these memories in his head of who he thinks he is, but really most of it comes from Zack, who's not really... I think he's dead at the point that the game is going <laughs> when you're playing, so yeah. Oh, no. So oh, no. you just kind of learn about him through memories and like I don't like flashbacks. It. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. We're already down the hole. Okay. <laughs> oh, you think? Oh, no. Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, so on November 13th, 2001, 19-year-old Icarus would receive one of the requests from someone that calls himself Hojo, after the minor character who's a mad scientist who performs the genetic experiments in the game. And that's Hojo. Um, the two chatted infrequently, and they called Icarus by the name Zack, but this didn't really bother him. Online roleplay is very popular with fandoms, even today. People make a character or borrow one from an existing story and exchange messages with each other in chat forums or email. It's usually a a harmless and fun activity. One day, Hojo messages Icarus about a piece of fan art that he'd posted of the character Genova, the alien genetic mother to all super soldiers in the game. He'd written a short story with it, and Hojo complimented the writing and said, It was really realistic. Is that a memory? Is that one of your memories? Icarus is confused and said he just made it up, and Hojo seemed disappointed, and the two didn't chat for a couple days. Until out of nowhere, Hojo said, my wife wants to talk to you. No! Oh my god. Icarus just kind of, Icarus is just kind of like, oh, it's cute. This couple runs a website together and agreed to chat. So at this point, Icarus writes an aside and says, Now realize during this time I was a college freshman. Like most college freshmen, I was at the height of my industry. Friends will remember I wasn't quite smart about drinking, to be really kind. And so I hate to say it, but my memories of this time is a little spotty. I'm going to remember what of the buildup that I can. The actual events are crystal clear. That shit doesn't leave you. So the wife, whose name is Jen, insists that he call her Genova or Jenny Nova, based on the character. So to be clear, this is Genova. She was an alien species that like collided yeah. onto the planet like 2,000 years prior, and yeah, like you know, they've been doing the whole Jurassic Park extracting her DNA and putting it into people. She wants to be called Jenny or Jenny Nova. And is claimed that she was a sorceress. Sorceress of sorts. He figures she was just role-playing and didn't really think much of her sending all her tentacle emojis and all that. One day, Jen asks Icarus if he had any memories of past lives, which he didn't, and if he believes in such things. He was open to the idea. She explains in this flurry that if there was infinite alternate universes, maybe, just maybe, games actually happened. At which point she tells him that in a past life, he was Zack. She says, think about it. You're both country grown. You both have the instinct of dragging off friends who could be left behind. You take a bullet for someone, right? You say you don't believe in magic or any of it. And he wanted to be a mercenary. So for all of his five or six lines, you have a similar speech pattern. You even live in a basement like he was locked in one, and you hate it. And Icarus writes it aside here and says, Addle your brain with freshman idiocy and vodka, and this will suddenly make sense. Sure, maybe I'm not him now, I said, but it was possible. She said he was their Zack, and went on to explain all the characters which she and Hojo had already found. 
it seemed like everyone was just really into role-playing, and Icarus thought that was cool. The whole past life thing rarely came up, and the group sometimes chatted about running websites and just general life. And for a while, things were good. And as he says, All in all, I was fine with them. They were a little flittier than my preferred loaf of bread, but I could live with that. The week before Christmas 2001, Jen and Hojo invite Icarus to come and visit for the weekend and meet everybody. The bus ride to State College PA cost them about $300, but the couple promised to pay for all the food, and he figured, why not? So he arrives with his pet rat. This was, a Chris- this was the week before Christmas, or the weekend before Christmas, so he was going to be going to Jen's place and then going back home to Brooklyn for the holidays. Hojo meets him at the bus stop, and to his surprise is wearing a lab coat. Together they head for the apartment, and as soon as they step in the door, there was Jen, looking like she just got out of bed, wearing a purple skirt that had been pulled up over her breast to look kind of like a dress, screaming at the top of her lungs right in Hojo's face, and then before Icarus could even comprehend what was happening, it stopped. Jen whirled around and suddenly she was the nicest person ever. At this point, Icarus took in his surroundings. The apartment was cluttered, and there were papers and stuff everywhere. The floor was covered in glitter, but I figured they were just kind of goofy college students. I mean, college students make a mess. So the married couple took Icarus around the area all weekend and taking a socially anxious ass on a parade of introductions through the cold, snowy town. Things were going well until they went to the mall. Suddenly, Jen had stormed aside and began sulking. The reason for this being was because they didn't have enough money to buy something, and neither did Icarus. He can't remember what it was, but she wanted it. Bad. And the situation was awkward all around, but thankfully it had passed by the time that they got back to the apartment. And as Icarus says, About this time I started to realize, though, that Jen wasn't role-playing when she was talking about her children and other selves. Jen is what the internet calls a soul bonder, or, in other words, batshit loony. <laughs> she believes she has a lot of people living in her head, talking. And when she wants to take on a personality that best fits a situation for herself, she acts one out. Example, if she wants to get sympathy, she would raise the pitch of her voice and pretend to be an innocent child. Oh my god. Now, I was a dumb college freshman, but I wasn't brain damaged much yet. (laughs) I know it was Jen pretending. I just humored her when she did this, but wasn't about to treat her any differently. Do y'all remember... Maybe you don't. Talk about dark corners of shit. Do you all remember the whole plantkin thing? No, but that sounds like a, no. that sounds like an episode. <laughs> it's kind of in the same vein. Okay. Anyways, this- I just I'm having flashbacks. I, I I'm I'm having like yeah, the bottom of my stomach has long dropped out, and, <laughs> and 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 thirty five year old me is just going nope, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> This, Anyways, this reminds me of like the high school vampire God. craze where people the had larvers. like an alternate like animal form. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh. <laughs> so that weekend, Icarus would get into a big blowout with his mom, who was making her usual unreasonable demands. Jen and Hojo comforted him, telling him to stay longer, that he should just leave his family, and that they know some local youth groups that could help out. Now, while his family was a constant source of stress for him, Icarus didn't want to cut them out. So instead, he worked something out and decided to stay a two, ex- two extra days as a fuck you to his mom. Jen told Icarus that her mom was the same way and that Hojo had to travel all the way to California to rescue Jen from her. She said all sorts of things that, like, her mom was horribly abusive and she hated Jen for being a lesbian. 
She then went to tell a myriad of other stories, like that her dad just wasn't there, and that she had a rich grandmother who didn't love her, or even a, an abusive friend that trained her to be Sephiroth, the son of her current character and the primary villain of the game. And Zach says, or Icarus says, I was sympathetic, always having been one to believe in the don't complain, people have it worse than you shtick. A few days later, it was time for Icarus to leave. He was anxious because he had no money and his pet rat had been living in a travel carrier for four days. He wanted to get to the bus early and try to reduce any odds that something could go wrong. Jen assured him that she knew what time the bus was and that she'd make sure that he would get there on time. She had the schedule on her computer, a computer that she wouldn't let, Ic wouldn't let Icarus use to check for himself. They got to the bus stop and found that they'd missed the bus by an hour. Nicker says, I was delayed one day by what Jen swore was an honest mistake, and I was willing to believe it. I went home. Overall, the first visit wasn't that bad. So Icarus would end up visiting them frequently over the next couple months, and they always wanted him to meet someone here or there or some other events of notes that they wanted him to attend. On one occasion, Icarus met Eris. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the character Eris. Um, this is the name that was given to this, this woman based on the character in the game that is Zack's love interest. Icarus thought that she was cool and they became good friends, but Jen, Jen had other ideas. She became obsessed with trying to get the two to have sex, insisting that they had to because of their characters and threatening to sneak aphrodisiacs into their food. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> this is so fucked up. <sighs> but Icarus was asexual and neither he nor Eris seemed really interested in this. Holy Disappointed, shit. Jen decided to take on the personality of Eris's imaginary boyfriend. No. Lowering her voice and ordering Eris around. This was only made weirder when she summoned Eris to the couch and the two began to loudly make out and giggle. Ah! This made Icarus uncomfortable, so he rolled over on his futon and tried to sleep while puzzling over the fact that Eris had told him that she was straight. On another occasion, Jen decided to show Icarus magic battles, which basically is like LARP fights, where Jen would swing around a stick to music and feign injury when Hojo threw invisible fireballs at her. Quote, they tried to get me to do it, but I can't act. I can't pretend I'm doing magic because I'm not that out of it. Eventually, Jen dragged me onto my feet, and I kept laughing at both myself and the fact that I could do some sort of limp-wristed movement, and Jen would throw herself on the floor, panting. Afterwards, they kept they kept telling me, See, Zach, you can use magic. And I just kept laughing. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. I was not that out of it, but I was ready to keep humoring them because it wasn't hurting anyone. Oh... I, you know, I always say, I'm never going to yuck anyone's yum as long as you're not hurting anyone. And that's the difference between that statement and what you're telling us right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just wait. I, yeah, if you, I mean, uh, nope. Okay. Kayla, God damn it. My brain's already broken and you're like, you're, you're dangling the, the carrot in front of me going, look, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And I just don't. <laughs> I don't want it. That's a shit-covered carrot, Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm just going to sit here and, and just try to not curl up in a sorry, ball not and sorry. die. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in the spring, Icarus and his friend Zar went to stay with the couple so they could attend a free concert in the area. Upon arriving, naturally, Zar needed a character, and Jen assigned her with Vincent Valentine. Pitcher. Best boy, Vincent. Uh, who? He, so he's one of he's another one of the protagonists in this, the game, and he's another super soldier, which was also Zar's favorite character. So she was down. 
Jen immediately wanted to try a past life regression with the two of them. They were taken into Jen's room and told to lie on the floor. Jen put on the song, The Nightmare's Just Beginning, which is a track from the game. The two tried to remain serious, but kept laughing and joking. Frustrated Jen gave up, saying that they were being too silly right now. Throughout this process, Zara had been sneezing the whole time, most likely from the dust and the glitter everywhere. So Icarus made a joke that she was allergic to magic. Jen and Hoja took this took this very seriously. Of course, allergic to magic. We can fix that. There was a lot of staff waving and the staff shaking and waving over Zar, and gibberish chanting chanting in Setra or Elvish. And when it was all done, Zar kept sneezing. Can I ask a question? That if it's a spoiler, you know, just say so. Why was there glitter everywhere? I'm um, not really a spoiler. Uh, it's just part of Jen using magic. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. So okay. here's 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 what I'm gathering from this. <laughs> oh, you're allergic from you're allergic to magic. Best use more magic. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the part that concerns you. <laughs> I already know about a lot of this because of what you've told me. <laughs> this is what concerns me right now. <laughs> Uh, All right, so both Zara and Icarus are artists. Um, so Jen decided that she wanted them to draw her Dujinsi, which is basically means self-published comics, but most Dujinsi are fan works, and a grand majority of them are just straight-up porn. So Jen wanted them to draw a serious comic that involved tentacle rape of the characters Hojo and Vincent. Oh, God. Quotes. What Jen wound up with, and once again was not happy with, was a comic that involved marshmallow peeps over people's genitals, complete lack of genitals, and commentary on the fact that complete divergence into a Sid X Vincent plot, and chit-chat between the characters. Whoops. She did not get what she wanted out of mine. <laughs> so of the myriad behaviors that Jen exhibited, one that really bothered Akiris was that she would just lie about anything to get what she wanted. Pretending to be different people in order to order things from shops or claim discounts, all sorts of things. Things like telling the local Christian bookstore that she talked to angels to get free books. Oh my god. Quote, I very clearly remember her putting on a lab coat and calling various medical supply companies in the Yellow Pages trying to get medical syringes. So stop and think about that for a moment. She put on a lab coat to call medical supplies companies. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I went there, and then my next immediate thought was, why syringes? What you doing? So thank God that she didn't, because she was already making us all drink Mako, which is green Gatorade, and dye our food green. What? Mm. So Mako is a liquid form of the planet's life stream in Final Fantasy VII. It's the world's primary energy source. So picture there. Okay. She probably would have injected us with the green water if she'd had gotten those syringes. Thank oh. God companies weren't so dumb as to believe her. They pretty much just gave her the, uh, uh-huh, yeah, whatever, buy crazy heroin addict treatment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So some other fun facts. Um, When Jen was stressed out about something, she would grow faint, and Icarus would rush to help her, thinking that maybe she was anemic or something, only to later realize that these were just pleas for attention. Icarus can't eat meat, red meat specifically, without getting sick. He was raised vegetarian, so his body never got used to digesting it, and had made the couple aware of this on his first visit. But every night, Jen would cook red meat, and he would eat it, because that's all there was, and then he would become sick. Oh, no. 
There was also a handful of times where the couple would try to force Icarus or others to remember their past. In one of the situations, they had locked him in a soundproof glass chamber in the basement of a school building, trying to make him remember being Zack. Icarus had a panic attack, banged and jerked the door handle, trying to escape. When he was finally out, he was shaking. Oh. Jesus Christ. And then money. Each of Icarus's trips cost $300 for the bus ticket alone. But Jem would also ask for money to go grocery shopping or toy shopping while he was there. Icarus would give it over as he always was taught to bring stuff to the host as a thank you. So, despite all of this, Icarus found the couple annoying uh, annoying and flaky sometimes, but overall he liked hanging out with them. So, when Jen and Hojo suggested that Icarus come and live with them over the summer in 2002, he said, why not? He could get a job to help pay rent and he get to hang out with the friends that he'd made out there, and to him, anything beat being stuck at home in Brooklyn with his mother for the summer. The deal that Icarus made with his mom was that he had to find a job in three days or come home. A challenging task when he had no car or no phone number. At this time, the only incoming cash was what Jen was getting from her infrequent babysitting gigs, as Hojo was a full-time student. So Icarus really knew that he had to carry his own weight and managed, and managed to get a job at the supermarket. Quote, I can't even say what came first, chicken or egg, but let's just say that after one week, I was getting sick of it. I was the workhorse, I guess because I was Zack. I was therefore the manly man as opposed to Jen, the Cetra Queen, and her Hojo, the frail scientist. Jen quit her babysitting job and refused to look for another one. I was the one who had to carry the groceries to and from the house, the one who made the money to feed everyone, the one who had to fix or move furniture whenever it needed to be fixed or moved. My computer could rarely get online because Jen was on almost 24-7. And the rest of the time, she would watch me as I typed. So I could never make a journal entry that read something along the lines of, Jen is abusing me, help me, God, I'm tired and I want out of here. But I had to be tough and tough it out. That's that's my ADC right there. But if you're noticing, I was starting to wise up. I stopped drinking so much, and which contributed to this in large, it made me much, much less tolerant of BS. I could not leave because I would be locked out. The apartment was the second floor, so I could not break in. I was not officially on the lease, so I could not ask the landlord to let me in, or I risked being thrown out. I could not phone my family because Jen and Hojo would listen like hawks and try to coach me on what to say and what to think. And I could not even break down and cry because the apartment was so small, they'd know what it what it was, and I'd have to make up something lame, magical excuse or something that they wouldn't choke what little freedom that I had left. Ugh. <sighs> Now, Icarus did find a few small joys like dumpster diving, but he had to keep that to himself or else he'd get in trouble. And the ambience is non-existent. Jen was constantly fighting with Hojo, screaming, slapping, punching. And this was hard for Icarus, the sound bringing back the violent divorce that his parents had gone through when he was 10. Quote, hearing one of them wince or whimper, then the beating, and immediately after, the noisy sex. Icarus's job began cutting hours, shrinking the already minuscule income that was coming into the house, he paid for everything, including food. Quote, In a normal college setting, I could have easily saved the money to keep up with rent. I swear, easily, even with only my paycheck. But I also had to do the food shopping. If it was up to me, we would have done what most college kids do. Ramen, generic cereal, bread, water. But it was not up to me. Jen wanted steak. Not just any steak. $10 steak. And Gatorade. Two kinds. Fancy and special colored and spices. All of this would last us one night of food, and my paycheck was gone. I couldn't even eat the food that was provided. The rest of the time, they demanded I ask my job for day-olds from the bakery and day-old sushi. I swiped coupons from work and used them whenever I could. I could not afford lunch, and there was no breakfast. If one of my supervisors caught me with the day-olds, I would be in trouble. 
The others seemed to take pity, but didn't like that I was doing it. The day olds I brought back, Jen complained that she didn't like the flavor. This was the only food that was coming into the house. Wow. And to top that all off, Icarus couldn't even get a full night's sleep most days. Jen waking him up at 3am to see fairy rings or fight off some magical disturbance. There was one person that came around that Icarus liked. Sometimes. His name was Sid, named after the protagonist pilot in the game. Sorry, when he was around, things were almost normal and Icarus could begin to wake up. But when he was gone, Icarus would hear stories of Sid being a total dick from Jen and Hojo. Every once in a while, the couple would get into such a tip with Sid that they would make some huge sweeping ultimatum and Sid would bounce for a bit. When Sid was there, Icarus wanted to leave with him. When he was gone, Icarus hoped that he'd never come back. Icarus began to realize that he was becoming brainwashed. He was sleep-deprived, isolated, and struggling to keep food that made him sick on the table. He was terrified and miserable, miserable, but he was trying so hard to keep his head above water that he couldn't see a way out. It wasn't until after Eris left that Icarus began to realize what was happening. One night, Hojo and Icarus were out at a, book, at a used bookstore, stealing books. Yes, they were that poor. When they received a call from a distraught Jen, sobbing and saying how Eris had called and wanted some, some things that she left at the apartment. Jen began screaming and threatening to kill herself. Icarus and Hojo began to panic, telling her that they would be there as soon as they can. Hojo and Icarus were pissed. What the hell had Eris said to put Jen in such a state? Hojo quickly dialed Sid and begged him to go check on Jen, and they flagged a taxi that they couldn't afford to race home. As they did that, they called Eris, who Hojo tore a new one, and Icarus added his own insults in the background. In the apartment, they found Jen, sitting in the middle of the floor, screaming that she had slit her wrists and blubbering about how betrayed she felt and how the group once had been so united, all while Sid was draping damp cloths on the cuts. Whoa. Quote, I woke up for a second and knew that this was bullshit. I had a problem with self-injury, so I know very well the sight of a deep cut and the sight of a light cut. I know well knife wounds. Jen had scratched herself horizontally on the wrist. Maybe it had been with a safety pin or a butter knife. It was not any kind of suicide attempt, and at most it would sting, but I was still mad at Eris because I was supposed to be. I wrote her nasty emails, I joined them in bashing her, I ignored her when she came to pick up her stuff, even though she obviously still wanted to be friends with me. I regret that now because we never reconciled then. Maybe if I had got a clue and tried to get out with her, things would have turned out much different. So, with that realizing, Icarus had found himself in an abusive relationship. So when people think of abuse, they think of the battered wife or the hospital visit it's after a fall down the stairs, but majority of abuse looks something like this. The first step is gain trust. The potential abuse abuser is attentive, loving, and charming, often called love bombing. The abuser shows the victim showers the victim with affection and makes them feel special. Jen and Hojo praised Icarus on his writing and tried to tell him that he was Zach, that he was special. Two is just over-involvement. The abuser becomes overly involved in the daily life and the use of the person's time. Jen tries to force relations on Icarus, make decisions about his life, and even convert his friends. Three, petty rules and jealousy. Rules begin to be inserted to begin control of the relationship. Jealousy is considered by the abuser to be an act of love. While not a verbal rule, Icarus finds himself in a position where he can't talk to people outside of their circle or write about his own experiences or go anywhere without telling Jen every detail. 4. Manipulation, power, and control. The victim is blamed for the user's be abuser's behavior and becomes coerced and manipulated. Icarus is coerced into becoming responsible for the well-being of the whole house and manipulated to taking care of them through false pleas of, well, suicide and other such things. 
Five, traumatic bonding. Ongoing cycles of abuse can lead to traumatic bonding. Icarus becomes stuck in the cycle, constantly in a fight-or-flight panic, trying to keep everything together and take care of everyone. Jen preys on Icarus's desire to be helpful and a caretaker, effectively trapping him. There are eight common tactics that are used by abusers. Intimidation, emotional abuse, isolation, minimizing, denying, and blaming, using children and pets, using privilege, and coercion and threats. There's another social situation where very similar tactics and cycles are used, and we call them cults. One of the key ways to trap people in these situations is to brainwash them, and there are a lot of methods and techniques for doing this, but one of the most effective ones is known as the breaking down of self. Eroding someone's sense of self makes them question themselves. They must be right, I don't know what I'm talking about, and their value. If I was just better, this wouldn't be happening, I deserve it. This can be done with conditioning over long periods of time, a method that attacks a person's need from the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, starting with someone's sense of self-fulfillment. But a way to fast-track this is to hit the bottom of the pyramid, their physiological needs, things like food, water, warmth, and rest. Which of these have been disrupted by Jen already? All of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, was that a question? I'm sorry. That was a question. (laughs) (laughs) I I was so, like, caught up in what you were saying that I totally blew by. <laughs> so if we add in the isolation from the outside world, it won't take long to for someone to become compliant. And for fun, let's compare Jen with someone that we talked about recently. Ah, Teal Swan. Ah, oh, my nightmares. <laughs> what similarities do we see here? Well, Teal Swan believes that she's an alien and that she's special and so are her core followers. Teal believes in past lives and uses it to draw people closer, saying that they were close in a previous life. Teal makes up big stories about her past. Teal claims abuse by her parents. Teal believes in repressed memories and will use tactics to help people recover them, often with damaging results. I never hear a phrase again. It's repressed memory. (laughs) (laughs) Teal will threaten suicide or have bouts of extreme self-loathing when she feels like she's losing someone. Us versus them. If you aren't with her, then you're against her. Claims to possess magical powers. Has been known to be very intimate with others even when in a monogamous relationship. Loves attention and wants to be viewed as a powerful being. Will lie and change her story to match her narrative whenever she sees fit. Seeks to make people dependent on her, and will shower someone with love and tell them that they're unique and special to draw in a new follower. Obviously, this is not like a large-scale cult in any way, but the behavior's shockingly similar. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's pernicious in how consistent it is in these situations. Yeah, and it's like, the reason that I decided to do this story is when you're talking about Teal the entire time, I kept thinking about this girl, Jen, and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> this is so close. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. So, around this time, Jen decided that she wanted to move to a new apartment. The reason? The current apartment was a total pigsty. And why was that? Because Jen never cleaned. Right. All the cleaning was always done by guests who were coming and going regularly. Icarus managed the dishes, but the trash was almost never taken out. It got to the point that the apartment reeked like rotten flesh. Gross. Mm. Quote. Oh my god. Jen refused to believe that it was the trash that needed to go out. She kept claiming some former owner must have done something. 
but it was a horrible mess. Their only solution, as they saw it, was to move out. So they got a different apartment from the landlady, a one-room gig. I did not like this at all. At least in the current apartment, I could stay in the living room while they had sex or beat each other in the bedroom. Now I wouldn't have anywhere to escape to. Uh-uh. Icarus began to feel desperate, trapped. Jen always watching over his shoulder, checking his blog and his conversations. He couldn't even write in his own journal about what was happening. When he talked to his friends, he had to pretend that everything was good so that when Jen talked to them later, that they wouldn't say anything that got Icarus into trouble. The few people that knew about the situation were sympathetic, but there was nothing that they could do. Icarus thought about going to Sid, but what if he was secretly on their side? What if he had rejected Icarus for being such an ass? Icarus began to see Eris's point and was beginning and was getting frantic. Quote, I started to sneak out and run down to empty parking lots at night to use the payphone to call my dad collect. He was the only one who knew what was happening, really, besides Czar, and those two were briefed on the situation, and both of them were telling me it sounded bad. Because, But because Jen was always out on the prowl to find me, I could never tell them quite how bad it was. Just that I was stressed, I was upset, and I was sick of Jen being unable to go make money because she was pregnant with some astral baby or something. Jesus Christ. I- a day forever burnt into Icarus's mind was moving day. Both Hojo and Jen were supposed to help with the move, and Icarus had to leave work to do his part. His meager hours already weren't enough to pay for food, and he was getting weak, lightheaded, and angry, but he felt obligated to assist. Quote, Summer was almost over, only a month to go. I could make it without breaking down. I was sure. But Jen had sent some great disturbance in the force or something, and suddenly couldn't help with the move, leaving Icarus to do the move by himself, as Hojo was in class until 6pm. He packed all of their things, Jen refusing to even help with with that while she lay on the couch, moping and wailing. After four hours in the burning state college heat, Icarus was sweating buckets. Quote, I moved everything. Everything. I was enraged. I was getting to the end of my majestically long rope. I was finally waking up, but not enough to want to leave. But the shopping to fill the apartment was the worst. I remember this night with nausea in my stomach. We went to Kmart, which was... A long bus ride into town. I was already mildly upset because Hojo suddenly had money and yet we weren't eating with it. And I wasn't able to phone home. But I like house shopping, so I was sedated. We needed very basic things, like a dish rack, some dishes, silverware cups, a cooking pot, and some dish towels. We found all of these, but then Jen saw cabbage cloths. I don't even know what a cabbage cloth is. I assume it's a cloth you wrap a cabbage in to keep it fresh. Jen wanted them for her cooking so the cabbage wouldn't go bad. She never used cabbage in cooking. One. And two, that's what a crisper is for. But she wanted these outrageously priced, plain, thin white rags. Hojo said a towel would work. The fight erupted, screaming. Icarus doesn't remember all the details, but there was a lot of screaming. And Jen was screaming that she didn't love Hojo anymore and that was was going to leave her. And Hojo was screaming how Jen always did this and that she didn't need the dumb cabbage cloths. And all the while, people were staring. Jen refused to transit home. There were too many bags, and Icarus couldn't carry them all, and Jen refused to help. So they held another taxi that they couldn't afford. The ride home was hot and cold battle between screaming and tension. The cab driver tried to talk to Icarus about the seashore, but the couple would just scream over them. Icarus didn't see any way out of this anytime soon. He didn't even have the money for a phone call home, let alone a bus ticket. And he knew that if he called his mom, he would likely just get yelled at more. Any hope that a new apartment might be a good clean start was dashed. The the trash situation almost immediately reared its ugly head, and then Jan began talking about getting a kitten. This horrified Icarus. Mm. 
trying to imagine a small kitten navigating through the trash and the litter box that he'd somehow become entirely responsible for. Quote, That purple skirt pulled over her breast that I mentioned that Jen wore the first time I met her? She wore it every day. Every day. She never washed it. She didn't bathe either. She just dabbed herself in scented oils and glitter. God, the smell of that place. It was like a miasma of filth and sparkle sunshine, fairy artificial sugar scent sprayed over it. It made me sick, and it was just so hot outside. Icarus kept going to work and kept losing hours until he literally had one hour a week. He could not live on $6 a week, never mind meet Jen's expectations. He was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Quote, I slept as much as possible to avoid reality. I couldn't communicate with anyone. I saw Sid sometimes, and he gave me sympathetic looks. One day at work, it rained. It rained so hard that it knocked out the power, so they sent me home. I had no umbrella or raincoat, no money for one, so I walked in the rain. My shoes were soaked, so I left them outside the apartment to dry overnight. That evening after the rain, Jen tried to talk to me about God lying on the grass with Sid. Sid already could tell that my mood was unpleasant and didn't even try to push the matter, but Jen kept trying to make me say that I believe in God. I don't. And when I'm angry is the worst time to try and make me believe. She tried pretending to be a small child and crying, and I wound up yelling at her. She ran back to the apartment fake crying. Sid said that if I ever needed anything, to ask him. The next morning, someone had stolen my shoes. Oh, no. You may think that it's a silly reason to snap, but that's that's what did it. And this god-awful town and these god-awful people who were bleeding me dry saw fit that my money was not enough. They had to take my shoes, too. I had it. I had just had it. He took a change of clothes, a pocket knife, the last five dollars that he had to his name, and put it all in his bag with his sketchbook and walked, shoeless. Icarus had no money, so he couldn't leave town, but he'd been poor long enough in this town that he knew how to get a cheap meal. 50 cents for a bagel and 75 cents for a drink. The streets were hot and burned his feet, but he didn't care. He was done. He popped into work and quit his job. Quote, I was homeless a few days. All in all, I felt fantastic. I felt great. Better. Better than fucking the entire two months that I'd spent with him. I had the freedom to walk where I wanted and sit down where I wanted. There was no smells. There was no fighting. No one was ordering me to buy steak. I wasn't sick on the food that I ate. No one was waking me up, telling me to go outside and look at fairy rings. I swear to you, I would much rather be homeless than live with people like them ever again. The threat of homelessness does nothing to faze me, because I have seen something much worse. Icarus spent the next couple days hanging around the bus stop or in front of the churchyard, sitting in the shade and drawing. When he wasn't doing that, he was on campus computer labs using Hojo's stolen login to access the internet. He made a new AIM account and reconnected with his friends, telling them one by one about the hell that his last couple months had been, and they were horrified. Quote, It felt so good to do. Thinking back on it, I get all choked up. I finally was fucking free to say what I wanted and not be afraid. Icarus messaged Sid, scared to reach out to anyone else. He was terrified. He, he never wanted to be near that house again, and if they found him alone, they might be able to convince him to come back because they had him so well figured out. He confessed to Sid most of what happened, and Sid came to his rescue. Sid took him out for beers, and they talked about old-school RPGs, getting Icarus's mind off of everything, and then offered Icarus's couch. A couple days later, Sid took Icarus to the house to get what remained of his stuff, and Jen stood in the doorway, acting like Icarus had absolutely betrayed her. Quote, I knew after I left... I'd be the next heiress, but I didn't care. I don't care how many people they had to come tell me that I was awful. I I just wanted out. 
Icarus called his dad using Sid's cell phone and finally was able to tell him what happened, afraid to tell him everything because it sounded so crazy, but it only took 30 seconds of the call before his dad got in touch with his uncle and ordered Icarus some plane tickets to Alabama. Quote, I made friends with Sid's apartment's mate, Jay and his fiance Shell. We all got along really well, and Shell went off on Jen about a thousand times. Shell also took me to the supermarket and told me to buy what I wanted. Probably, I probably would have cried, but I was far too in shock. All I wanted was potato bread and ramen. I had not eaten either of these things the entire time that I stayed there, even though my money had been paid for the food bill. I got to the bus station on time, using some money that, that Sid had lent me that my dad would pay him for to get to a ride to the airport. I took a flight. I had a pair of $2, I had a pair of $2 painful flip-flops and they were swabbed for explosives. Jeez. After eating for a week, like a wolf at his dad's place, they road trip back to state college. They picked up Icarus' stuff from Sid's house, who was at work, so they left the money with... Oh, sorry. They left the money for him with the roommates. Quote, Jen tried calling me once after that, but I blocked her number on my cell, shor- on my cell shortly after. She tried telling me we were still friends and that she still looked for my shoes. I was having none of it. I am some sort of villain now to them, but I have no clue what nor do I really care why. I must have some sort of magical evil power in their eyes, but I don't know. I was finished with them, and I will be forever. Three years after escaping the FF7 house, as it would later be known on Internet Legend, Icarus finally shared his story online. Almost immediately, his inbox was flooded with messages from dozens of people who all had close calls with or had suffered at the hands of Jen. He was shocked. Somehow, he only ever thought that it was him. The wave of victim testimonies is what led Icarus to create the Demon Sushi website, not only to share his story, but to share the stories of everyone else that Jen had hurt. The website is still running 15 years later, and Icarus regularly gets messages asking him to help validate suspected sightings of Jen, but past that, he's moved on. He now lives in Massachusetts, where he's been running a rather popular webcomic for the last couple years. He got married in 2011 and lives with his spouse and their two cats. 2019, he was diagnosed with stage 3A invasive ductal carcinoma. He underwent chemotherapy and radiation and is at the moment considered free of cancer. And here's a picture. Get a cat. So Icarus's story is not the end of the Jennifer Kronath saga, nor is it the beginning, but those stories are for another time. Oh, no. Oh my! You have no idea, man. From the little bit that you've said in this this deep, deep dark hole you've gone down, um, I just want to be like, what the fucking fuck? (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, this is so. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's like you, you gotta think of it like from his point of view, like he was a nineteen year old, he was he is now trans, but he was going through trying to figure out what his gender was mm-hmm. at the time, so he was already confused as fuck. His family didn't really understand it at all. So he was just looking for some place to be accepted and be who he was. It's so easy to fall into something like that. Right, because it's easy yeah. for us to all sit back and go, nah, that wouldn't One of the biggest things with the story online is that people always um super criticize the victims right. I'm like well they're fucking idiots why would you right. do that like what's wrong with you and it's like it's not it's never that simple first of all in abusive situations but also that's like 
the people that Jen chooses to prey on are usually people that are extremely vulnerable, that are going through things like struggles with gender identity, struggles with their own sexuality, or just, you know, teenagers that feel completely unaccepted and that they've, you know, they've turned to the internet to find some place that they feel like they can be themselves and not be judged and be accepted for who they are. Oh, man. You know, that makes me so very grateful that I didn't come of age um, during, like, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was trying to think of how to phrase it because, like, I didn't even I didn't even know how to use a computer or the internet until I was a sophomore in high school. And back then, we only had dial-up, so you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. like I I didn't have internet at home, and but if I did, like, I could see myself getting into so much trouble, oh, yeah. like. I had access to internet at school and like there were all these like vampire forums and stuff that I was super into. Like I can't imagine the shit that I would have gotten into if I'd had access to something like that. Shit. Being like the only goth kid in a small town, right? right? Like I felt so out Out of place place, that having someplace online would have done it. It 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 takes so very little for Oh my god, yeah. that's a horrible I'm broken. I'm broken. My god. Yeah, and this is one of the things that's really intriguing me about the story and then the saga in which that is followed <laughs> and the things that I found out otherwise, like, it's just, like, you know, as easy as it is, like, Jen is definitely a villain in this case, it's the people that she's heard, but she's also a victim of other things as well, um, which we'll get to. It's just kind of a fascinating state, kind of, kind of case study of how cults are not, like you said before, are not just something that happens to people in real life anymore. Like, they, it's so easy right. for them something like this to happen on the internet. Without you ever leaving leaving your home, you could be wind yourself up in an abusive relationship yep. of sorts. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's easy for people to say, "Well, they're idiots and they they should have known better." But when you're inside, and it starts off as like this support group and these people that you know or are getting to know, and everything seems kind of normal, once you're in things still seem normal right like it's yeah. not humans are very incredibly good at adapting the situations that they're in yeah and yeah like the things that we'll do to be accepted and to be loved is it's crazy like on the outside it's always so fucking crazy to look at just because it's like well why would you do that when you have your needs met you don't you can't think of putting yourself in a situation like that but if you're in a situation where your needs aren't being met one way or another, like you'll do all sorts of things to make that happen. So yeah, there's that heartwarming story. And of course, now is the time that my cat decided yeah. to jump on me and scare the shit out of me. Cool, <laughs> good job, kitty. Well, that was fun. Can can we have like a can we have a happy episode for once? Yeah, yeah, Please. totally. Yeah, I'm not gonna like overload you with I, the stories from this. That... I'm gonna spread them out over time because oh, it's a lot. But, my yeah. soul, my soul hurts. And we ha- and we have um, we have Bran who wants to come on at some point, and then um, my friend Sam has a, a Viking friend. Sweet, who, uh, oh. yeah. I thought you'd be into that, Nathan. Um, who like believes in the Norse gods and yeah, is f- yes. full That's in. Cool. Yeah, his name's Robin, so I'll have to get in touch with him at some point. Uh, we should do all animals, like good animal stories, not emus getting shot by Tommy guns. 
Jesus. I was trying to tell Jeremy that story, and I was like, you know what? I can't just go listen to it. It's like, but why did they? I'm like, I don't know. What is wrong with these people? What is wrong? Oh, my God. Baba Yaga's Dutchman house. Hey, there we go. I had Dutchman house part, and then I was like, wait, how do I... That's perfect. Perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> it's just like, well, I guess. God damn it. <laughs> well, I guess we can probably start recording now. All, oh yeah. So, <laughs> uh, bye, y'all. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode. As mentioned, the story is based off of Icarus's account of what happened to him. You can read his full story online at demon-sushi.com. This is the first installment of the Jennifer Cornette saga, because it is a saga. I will be adding to this over time with new installments based off of the decades of stories that exist, and hope to even bring on those that may have encountered Jen to share their experiences. This story is a rabbit hole, the pieces spread all across the internet, and when they're put together from an elaborate and disturbing tapestry, and I want to give a big shout out to the people of the Tattle Crime Discord, who have been sharing their research and experiences. There are many iterations, retellings, and cobbled together narratives for this and subsequent stories online, and it's important to take these with a grain of salt and perform your own research wherever you can. Inaccurate and poorly researched investigations have led to the harassment of individuals that have nothing to do with this saga and have caused more hurt to those that have already suffered at Jen's hands. It's important to remember that these are real people, and for many this is such a minuscule but incredibly traumatizing period of their life. If you simply can't wait for the next installment or you just want to learn more, I highly recommend the Down the Rabbit Hole episode on YouTube about the Final Fantasy VII house. Frederick Nedson has done an incredible job. Links will be provided in the show notes. While we don't condone reaching out to Icarus or harassing him, if you are interested in following up on what he's doing right now, you can check out his comic at inhuman-comic.com or you can see his Patreon at patreon.com slash notfun, N-O-T-F-U-N. Links will be provided in the description. If you've been enjoying us thus far, like, subscribe, and drop us a review on iTunes and help spread the good word. If not, message us on Twitter or Facebook at The Human Exception or email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. You can also do that if you have stories to share, topics you want us to cover, or if you just want to say hi. As always, you can find all the pictures, links, and additional information about the topics we cover on our website, thehumanexception.com. Next week, we bring on our first guest, Robin the Viking, to tell us about a modern religion in Norway based on the old gods and to share some of their favorite stories. That's all for now. Keep being exceptional, my humans. Please for charger. Now charging. <laughs>